Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of September 16th through the 18th, 2022. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone is doing well out there. We're finally escaping the drought of August and early September with some films and awards consideration coming out uh, now that Venice, Tiff, and Telluride are all completed. Uh, there are also some news headlines about new movie dates for next year we'll go over. But first, let's go ahead and take a look at this past weekend's numbers uh, with three new releases in the top five. It's been a while since we've had one of these kind of weekends. Uh, in first place, we have our first awards bait film of the year, The Woman King, led by Viola Do- Davis from Sony, opening to 19 million in 3,765 theaters for a per theater average of $5,060. Uh, this one had excellent reviews coming out of the film festivals, and audiences seem to agree. 94% critics, 99% audience on Rotten Tomatoes, and a rare A-plus cinema score. Uh, so any potential controversy regarding historical accuracy wasn't enough to lead people to boycott this film uh, was trending on Twitter for a bit. Uh, it looks like Box Office Pros has th- had this one pegged for about 18 million or so, so about where expectations were, um, or a little bit more. Um, the question is how far this one will go. Uh, with great word of mouth, something like Where Are the Quadrat Sings with had a 4 to 5x multiplier wouldn't be entirely out of the question. Uh, call it maybe 80 million or so by the end of its run. Uh, of course, that do- this one does have a budget of 50 million, so the break even point being around 125 would need some further international grosses to help this one reach profitability. Uh, in second place, last week's first place film, uh, Barbarian from 20th Century, had a pretty reasonable drop for a horror film, only 38% down to $6.5 million for the weekend in 2,340 theaters, a per theater average of $2,778, and a running total of $21.1 million. Uh, it's basically doubled its production budget of $10 million at this point, so uh, a perk of a, having a horror film budget. Um, great job to that team. Uh, third place, we had a new release, uh, Pearl, which is apparently the prequel uh, for the slasher film X from A24 that came out earlier this year. Uh, Pearl is the origin story of the villain from that film. Uh, Pearl opened to about $3.1 million in 2,935 theaters, which is uh, apparently A24's widest uh, first weekend opening ever, uh, for per theater average of $1,065. Now, that on the service may not seem like much, but the budget for this one was like $1 million, uh, so pretty much instantly a financial success. Uh, the first film, X, had a budget of about $1 million or so and opened to about $4 million, uh, ending up at $12 million by the end of its run. So I'd expect something similar range here, maybe $10 million for Pearl by the end of its run. Um, also looks like uh, X uh, saw a bit of a boost uh, in uh, VOD and streaming uh, viewings uh, this past weekend as people were watching it, probably to get uh, up to date for Pearl. Um, A24 seems happy enough with this with that they've announced a third film in this franchise already under development. Um, um, critics also like this one, 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, 82 for audiences, um, while a B- on CinemaScore, which uh, for a horror film from A24, which, you know, Midsommar and Hereditary and so on, having like, you know, C's or even D range ratings, a B- for a horror film, I'll take that any day for, for that for A24. Uh, fourth place was another new film, which I actually saw myself. Um, See How They Run, which is a whodunit, uh, Agatha Christie-inspired uh, from Searchlight, opened to $3 million in 2,404 theaters for a $12.51 per theater average. Um, another $4.5 million overseas, put this at $7.5 million to date. Apparently, uh, it 
opened on top of the UK charts, which makes sense. This was set in London. Um, okay reviews, you know, 72% audience, critics, 66% audiences in Rotten Tomato, uh, B minus cinema score, um, and, you know, about a million more than box office posted forecasts. That said, while I can't find the budget for this one, um, given the timing and just kind of like the relative lack of marketing, uh, this seems like a dump job by sorts like pictures, which, you know, uh, is unfortunate. Um, this will probably top out maybe 20 million domestically, if that, uh, by the end of its run. Uh, wrapping up the top five bullet train, inches closer to $100 million with $2.5 million this past weekend, a 23% drop in 2,602 theaters for per theater average of $980, running domestic total of $96.5 million and $222 million overseas, uh, 222 worldwide, uh, just over the breaking point of its $85 million production budget. Hopefully, we can leg it out to $100 million domestic uh, so we can have another one in the books for this year. Uh, speaking of records outside of the top five, um, while it's all the way down domestically, making less than seventy-five thousand uh, a week weekend, uh, apparently overseas numbers, at least according to one source, claims that Jurassic World Dominion has crossed the billion-dollar mark. Now, box office mojo and the numbers has not yet called the race yet to a billion dollars, as uh, you know, numbers over the weekend kept going up and down between nine ninety-seven and nine ninety-nine. Um, but hopefully, you know, we can finally cross this one off the books and get our second billion-dollar film of the year. Now, for more concrete numbers, though, the David Bowie documentary, uh, Moon Age Daydream from Neon, which opened in IMAX exclusively this weekend on 170 theaters, uh, made about $1.2 million for a per theater average of $7,206, which was the highest per theater average of the weekend. Uh, overall, total box office rebounded a bit from last week's low uh, up to $50 million this weekend. Uh, this coming weekend, we have, of course, Moon Age Daydream's wide expansion, Avatar's re-release, and the ill-fated Don't Worry Darling that uh, apparently has a lot of pre-sold tickets. Um, box office post has Avatar about six to twelve million dollars in eighteen hundred locations, and Don't Worry Darling is forecast to be eighteen to twenty-seven million dollars. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see if, despite the controversy and uh, poor reviews, if it ends up outgrossing uh, Woman King. Um, and there is no forecast for Moon Age Daydream at this point. Uh, overseas, the top film for this past weekend was Universal's Ticket to Ride, a romance between uh, George Clooney and Julia Roberts, which made about $12.1 million in 46 regions for a running total of $14.8 um, the medical release looks to be October 21st. Uh, notably, the UK market did not open this past weekend as planned due to the Queen's state funeral. So, you no, know, th that it's now set to go live on the 20th, which is the day I'm recording this. Um, in the in, in the meantime, uh, Hindi action film Brahmastra Part Two, uh, Part One, Siva, in its second worldwide weekend, has hit 40 million dollars worldwide. Probably will cap out somewhere in the 60 million dollar range. Uh, over in China, there were no new releases. The top film for the weekend was the second weekend of the dramedy Give Me Five, time-traveling thing, um, you know, making just under $7 million for a money total of $35 million. Uh, no idea when the next Hollywood film is going to be over there. Uh, so those are all the numbers, you know, still getting back in the swing of things. Uh, there are a couple of headlines here. Uh, let's go do it by studio. Uh, first up, Warner Brothers side of things. Um, you know, uh, this, you know, Macro Film Studios, the, the studio behind Oscar-winning film uh, Julius and the Black Messiah, uh, apparently had a first-look deal with, Am with uh, Warner Brothers. They have ended that deal and have moved over to Amazon. So that's another blow to, uh, to Warner Brothers in this time of, of upheaval. Um, they also l announced a layoff of about 30% of their ad sales team, which is a uh, 
in a is is unfortunate for everyone affected, but you know, in a typical post-merger cut uh, situation, especially with David Saslav looking for that for however many much he's looking for in, in cuts, it, it we kind of saw this one coming. Um, meanwhile, they did announce that the Constantine sequel uh, is in the work with Keanu Reeves set to return. Uh, and then speaking of new upcoming films, uh, Magic Mike's The Last Dance is no longer going to be an HBO Max exclusive, but now a theatrical release coming February 10th, 2023, uh, which is perfect for Valentine's Day dates. Uh, moving over to Regal, which is you know, not a studio, but it is a, a big company. Um, they provided a list of the 20 locations in the U.S. Uh, that they are planning on setting down as the bankrupt for the uh, proceedings continue. Um, as noted, the theater near my parents' place was one of those lists. So, uh, wish me luck finding a place to watch movies this uh, this holiday weekend or this holiday uh, season. Um, over on Disney, you know, a bit of inside baseball, as I call it, with uh, some promotions and such. Uh, Jonas Rivera, uh, who produced helped produce Inside Out and Toy Story Four, has been promoted to the executive VP of film production at Pixar. Uh, just kind of notable, just because it's a pretty cool story. He was actually Pixar's first ever intern, so going from intern all the way up to executive VP, pretty. Cool story. Uh, moving back though to the to the uh, Marvel side of the house, uh, reportedly Black Panther two will not be released in France uh, due to various strict laws in France about films coming to streaming um, at least they say seventeen to even up to thirty six months after theatrical release um, to preserve the French uh, film industry, uh, which obviously would not fly with Disney's uh, plans to have it come to Disney Plus eventually. Um, meanwhile, though, we do have a new updated release schedule. A lot of these things we saw at D23, but it's nice to get some concrete dates. Uh, Rogue Squadron, notably, has been removed from the calendar. Uh, it was originally set to, I believe, come out next year. Um, that's definitely not going to happen at this point. Uh, the next Star Wars film is now going to be December 19th, 2025. Uh, and then moving on to 2023, um, Taika Waititi's uh, new comedy, Next Goal Wins, uh, is set to come out April 21st, 2023. Uh, Haunted Manson uh, moved to August 11th out of a March 10th, 2023 release date. Um, there's the new Disney animated film for the celebrate their 100 years, uh, November 22nd, 2023, Wish. Um, and moving to 2024, Pixar's uh, film, Elio, it's coming out March 1st, 2024. Uh, the Snow White remake, uh, live action with uh, Rachel Zegler um, as the lead uh, in Gal Gadot as the Wits is coming out uh, March 22nd, 2024. And then we have Pixar's Inside Out 2 set for June 14th, 2024. Uh, and then the Lion King prequel Mufasa is set to come out July 5th, 2024. Um, notably, the untitled Marvel movie uh, from February 16th, 2024 has been pushed back to September 6th, 2024. Uh, moving over to Sony, who also has a lot of new dates, um, there's a untitled True Haunting film set to come out uh, in a couple of months, uh, January 6, 2023. Um, there was the sequel to the John Cho film, uh, Searching, which may not feature John Cho, but kind of has the same format, uh, called, titled Missing, uh, set to come out February 24, 2023. Um, the Adam Driver-led science fiction film at 65 moved from April 28th to a March 10th, moved uh, yeah, from uh, April, April 28th up to a March 10th release date. Um, this is the date that uh, Haunted Manson vacated um, from Disney. Um, and then uh, Craven, the la latest Sony Marvel Venomverse film, uh, originally was going to come out uh, January 13th, um, but has been pushed back to October 6, 2023. Um, this means that Madam Web, which was uh, October 6, 2023 previously, has been moved back to uh, February 16th, 2024, which is that date that uh, Marvel uh, vacated uh, for Sony, uh, it looks like. Um, we also have the Garfield movie 
movie voiced by Chris Pratt coming May 24th, 2024, instead of that February 16th date. Um, and then the Karate Kid movie, which I don't think is related to the Netflix Cobra Kai series, but I'm sure the new popularity of that definitely helped get this one greenlit, uh, set to open on July 7th, 2024. And then finally, uh, the there was an untitled Sony Marvel film set to come out June 7th, 2024, that has now been pushed back to July, 21st, uh, uh, July 12th, 2024. Um, that being said, uh, with The Woman King uh, coming out this past weekend, it looks like Sony just passed uh, Warner Brothers for the highest, uh, for the fourth highest total of the year, $722.8 million domestically uh, compared to Warner Brothers' $714 million. Uh, though with Black Adam coming soon, we'll see if that ranking sticks around. Uh, over on the indie side of things, apparently Focus Features' uh, head of production and acquisitions said that The Northman, which is a very ambitious film that unfortunately was a box office flop, $70 million on a $90 million budget, ended up being profitable for them somehow due to quote-unquote special circumstances uh, re relating to PVOD and such. Not sure of New Regency, the production studio that made The Northman, actually since Focus was just a distributor, uh, shared as much success. Um, and then let's see, we have uh, Saint Omer, who is a likely candidate for France's submission to the Oscars international category, uh, got picked up by Neon's boutique label Super. Uh, reportedly, uh, with their Oscar bait film Greatest Beer Run Ever flopping at film festivals, Apple doesn't really have a real contender uh, since uh, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon got pushed back a couple years or until next year. So there are rumors that they're going to try to release the Will Smith-led film Emancipation uh, at the end of the year, uh, though who knows what that will work out for them given all the controversy around Smith. And then A24, uh, um, you know, just a fun fact, uh, 2022 is now the highest grossing year of, ever, uh, hitting $108.5 million to date. Uh, the next highest was back in 2019 where they had 107.4 million as their year in total. Uh, anyway, this is a quick episode, you know, not a ton, uh, super interesting uh, aside from the box office numbers. Um, but, you know, since we're a little bit early, let's like, let's catch up uh, since we didn't do this last week on what I've been watching lately. Just some quick hits and some some scores. Um, I saw the Dragon Ball Super superhero movie in theaters. We'll talk about more about that on my anime podcast, but it was a super fun film. Um, I don't, I have, I didn't really grow up watching Dragon Ball Z and I haven't watched really much of Dragon Ball Super, but it was still fun, you know, seeing the characters and acts. I think this was actually a pretty well done film. Um, probably give it like a four hour out of five, maybe three out of five. Um, and then I saw Bullet Train in theaters. You know, I would say uh, it tries to do, at least in the beginning, you know, that kind of putting it all together and all these disparate pieces coming together. Uh, by the end, very satisfying how it came together. I think it was a little bit messy and con and, and convoluted in the beginning. Uh, maybe that was the intention of what we were supposed to feel, or we were supposed to feel. Uh, but maybe it was, I think maybe like 20 to 30 minutes, a little bit too long. But overall, it was a fun romp. Call it four and a half, five, four out of five stars. Um, I watched Titanic for the first time ever, actually. I, I have my Best Picture Marathon podcast where I watch all the Best Picture winners. Um, I'm planning on doing an episode of that, uh, if not this month, next month. Um, but I will say I think that James Cameron is a great visual and technical director, not so much on the screenwriting. Uh, so give this one a three out of five overall. Um, and then as I mentioned, see how they run. Um, it's a great fun whodunit. Bit of a meta sense, you know, um, you know, spoilers. Uh, you know, they end up kind of uh, laying out what's going to happen in the film in, in near the beginning, uh, which is pretty, you know, fun to see happen. Um, nothing too profound or anything, but, you know, overall a breezy fun watch or so at maybe an hour, hour and a half, an hour and a half long, maybe three, maybe four out of five stars, somewhere in between there. 
Anyway, with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Superman deals for us has to cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at zealand.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Also, it's on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. At the very least, tell a friend any of that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon, which lets me make not only this show, but all the other podcasts that I work on. Links to all that will be in our show notes. Uh, numbers to use in the show will uh, come from thenumbers.com, into the auto music from Kevin MacLeod and content.filmers.io, editing production by Ninsboy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch, and remember, our watch goes on. Thank you.